dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez, here with Source. Well, not here with Source, maybe next week's Source because uh, lockdown finishes at midnight tonight. Uh, it is Thursday and we have Thursday night footy, so exciting times ahead. Down uh, this afternoon or tomorrow, I guess, uh, what, 11.59 tonight. But uh, once again, football has saved us, Pez. We had some absolute crackers games of football last week in round 12. Um, and it started all things off on uh, the Friday night with um, not only some great games this week, but some big news that's kept us uh, sort of a little bit sane during this lockdown. Yeah, uh, massive games in round 12, which we'll get into. But the biggest news out at the moment, uh, was, well, early in the week it was Carlton because they lost to a depleted West Coast side by 22 points and uh, they were all the all the rage, uh, having reviews and things like that. And then Buckley just goes, yesterday, I don't want to be speaking about Carlton anymore. I'm going to step down as coach and uh, uh, he's not coaching the Pies anymore. He says uh, it'll be his last game this week, the, the, the freeze game, the big freeze game on the Monday. Yeah, interesting, um, interesting tactic to take the attention off Carlton. When when the, when the media's not talking about your football club and you've just had a great win, I don't know why you would bring the attention to yourself. But uh, interesting tactic by uh, Buckley. But that sort of sums up his career that he's had as a as a coach. Some interesting moves and some you know some definitely highs and some interesting lows. Um, you know, obviously losing a grand final from a questioning free kick that uh, Collingwood supporters will continually harp on about. But really interesting move on my on my from my end where they've been shown some promising signs in the last couple of weeks, Pez. Um, and even winning a game that they weren't expected to win on the weekend, their season almost had turned around a little bit. Yeah, well, he's been there for, what, 10 seasons. He took over the, the team that lost the 2011 grand final to Geelong, and uh, then he couldn't get, it, couldn't get it going at the start. Did make that grand final in 2018, but then uh, struggling and bottoming out this year, he thought, he's done a Brad Scott, I think, get out while, it's, uh, while we're low, and I'll try and save my coaching career for the future. Um, yeah, that's interesting because, you know, obviously the biggest plot uh, point from, from this last 12 months around Collingwood has been the, the list management and the recruitment that they've they've done and sort of that has uh, underpinned the results that they've had because obviously they've had a, you know, a, a range of stars having to make the tough call and leave the club on Collingwood's behalf. But, you know, I, I wonder if Collingwood is sort of putting um, Nathan Buckley as a bit of a scapegoat here and sort of using him as the fall guy considering I don't believe he had a big part to play in the list management. Well, that's probably what he's hoping as well. So he can be that career coach and uh, get another gig in a couple of years. I think he'll go straight into the media, though, and uh, slot in there nicely like he was after his playing career. Uh, interesting that the the club legends of, of the big clubs uh, haven't really worked out. So you had Michael Voss up at Brisbane. He got Bucks here at Collingwood. And then James Hurd, we know what happened over at Essendon. So uh, the fairy tale uh, ending for those coaches couldn't happen. And the worst thing for for Buckley, I suppose, is out of those legends of the of the nineties that um that, that went into the coaching careers, he had a ready made list. He was taking over a list that was you know a couple of kicks away from a premiership um, in the year prior, um, and for them to to miss the the you know the finals twice during that ten year stint is pretty disappointing, especially only having one grand final appearance in that time also. So really disappointing for 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 Bucks. Yeah, he didn't uh, didn't take over the club too well because Malthouse had him uh, won a premiership in 2010. They were a really young side if we remember back there as well. So they were they were ready to go and they were talking about the next dynasty. It would have been four or five years competing at the top, and uh, it didn't happen. So Bucks moves on. 
uh, after after Monday. It'll be interesting to see if the, the players get up and about playing the top of the table, Melbourne, uh, this week. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the bet slip as well. But getting into round 12, Source, there was a massive game on Friday night and it was a game of two halves, literally. Uh, Melbourne ended up winning by 22 points. But Brisbane led by 20 points at half time and looked uh, looked on top for all money. Yeah, definitely, Pez. The, it definitely looked all over at halftime. You know, Brisbane taking quite a commanding lead, um, not only lead into the, the second to the third quarter, but also the, they were controlling the tempo of the game. What was really impressive uh, from Melbourne was the adjustments that they made. And I guess on the, on the opposing end of that, we spoke Friday night heaps about this uh, over a Zoom meeting about how disappointing it was that Fagan didn't adjust to to the you know the change of pace, and Melbourne took the game on, went down the middle heaps, and. It was really frustrating that uh, that Pagan just didn't sorry Fagan just didn't adjust and and that really ultimately cost them that that result the the D's running away in that last quarter. Yeah, well, it's interesting to see Simon Goodwin actually make an adjustment uh, because he hasn't been known for that after that 2018 season. But uh, I feel like Melbourne's their defence have been talked about, which is why they're at the top with uh, Stephen May and Lever down the back there. But they were getting outplayed in that first half, and uh, what he did is he put a number behind the ball. And then Brisbane didn't have that run and that extra player to overlap and then kick the ball inside 50 like they were in the first half. So, uh, And then, as you said, Fagan didn't really do anything. He, he might have, you know, in the third quarter at some point when they're, you know, getting pretty dominated. And even in that fourth quarter, just try and put someone and match up numbers or something or your structure's not working in that third quarter. You're getting run over the top of you got you got to try something. So that didn't happen. And uh, it wasn't even inaccurate goal kicking, which is why Brisbane usually lose. No, it was uh, the the realistically, as you said, Pez, that number behind the ball, and the, Melbourne took control of the clearances. They they were losing the clearance count at half time, eight to eleven, and then they came out and dominated. They you know generated eleven, uh, sorry, fourteen more inside fifties just from centre clearances alone in that third and fourth quarter. And you know it's a stat that you know you continually hear is that you win the centre clearances, you get inside fifties, you win the football, you win the game. And uh, Melbourne were a real testament to that because the numbers behind the ball obviously anchored a lot of their their defence. Um, but it was winning that clearance ball, getting a great inside 50 and ultimately scoring. So finishing off the, the, the work. And uh, Pez, we've been saying that Melbourne may not be the real deal. Have to now start respect them as a genuine threat to the flag, a genuine threat to September. I know they're a young list. They do have some experience in, in, the, in the, um, the finals before, obviously going to the second round a couple of years ago when they got absolutely flogged by West Coast. But they have to be genuine contender and they have to be flag favourites at the moment. Yeah, well, flag favourites uh, this early on, you can do whatever you want with that. They're probably going to finish top two because they've already beaten a few teams in that top four already this year. So you'd have to say uh, they get a home final, depending where it will be due to COVID. But um, yeah, flag favourites. And if you write them off, do so at your own peril. Yeah, speaking of top four, we head down to the do- the bottom uh, four of the eight. Two teams vying for it. Well, at the start of the year, you would expect that they're both vying for a top eight spot. This game was really telling. We had Sydney take on St Kilda, and Sydney uh, were, were prevalent here by nine points. Really disappointing by St Kilda, and especially for, for Jack Higgins, uh, really inaccurate, especially in that last quarter. Uh, once again, goal-kicking costing St Kilda an opportunity at, at a top eight finish. How can a player kick one goal six? Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, he's, he's done a Max King and their goal kicking just continues to have an issue. Sydney had uh, more behinds than St Kilda on the day, but I think some of the, the goals that Jack Higgins actually missed, they were just giving his uh, little around the corners or directly in front where he's usually been uh, pretty good this year in front of goals. So the Saints were able to compete with Sydney. They were able to, you know, make mini comebacks during the day and uh, get in there with them. But Sydney just too strong in the end. And uh, 
were able to, to get over the line by nine points. Uh, St Kilda were impressive in the middle. They actually started beating Sydney in the clearances in that second and third quarter, uh, which was in good stead for them to score. But uh, yeah, Sydney, I don't know, just too experienced. They had uh, Haywood up forward who no one seemed to be on and they were hitting him on the lead uh, at will. He kicked 3-2 on the day. And uh, yeah, that inaccurate goal kicking, St Kilda fans are, are dreading that each week. Yeah, dreading that each week. You had Seb Ross run into an open goal and uh, absolutely made the mickey out of that one. You had, as we said, Higgins in the last quarter. Two, two, you know, very gettable spots that uh, he missed. King again, you know, was inaccurate. But positive signs for the Saints is uh, your man Bradley Hill, probably the best game of his season this year, and as well as Bradley uh, Brad Crouch, really um, getting a lot of the pill. I don't know how much impact he sort of made across the ground, but he was getting to some good spots that were really setting up Brad Hill coming out of that centre clearances. Yeah, I think uh, Brad Crouch's impact uh, was in the middle and sometimes people don't notice what it is, but he had 24 handballs, uh, most of them out of that contest and and spreading out wide. He also had seven tackles in there as well. So him and Jack Steele are, are, are good there in the midfield. They do need a couple more really consistent players and, and Brad Hill on that wing to continue to you know, hit targets and, and fight for the footy. He did have a couple of contests there where he tried to get his own ball, which is which is good to see from Brad Hill. He's, he's not as... Uh, protected at St Kilda as he was at Hawthorne when he all he had to do was run and kick. He didn't actually have to go and get his own footy. So, um, but the positive thing for Sydney is they sit sixth on the ladder. Uh, they've got their, their wins there. They've got the other wins. So uh, they continue to go forward and their forward line is looking super dangerous with Franklin, Heaney and uh, Papley. Yeah, Speaking of dangerous forward lines, Pez, uh, Collingwood, we've already sort of spoken a little about uh, the, the start of the show, but their forward line was a one-man army in that first half. Um, Elliot coming back into the side and absolutely dominating, kicking, I think he kicked four in the first quarter, kicking six for the game. But this was a game that was really interesting. Uh, last week, Collingwood were unable to score a goal in the in the first uh, first half, and this week they, they were unable to, to miss a goal in the first half. So uh, uh, Collingwood were, were different teams from week to week, but um, this was an interesting game. Again, Game of swings. Collingwood dominated the first quarter. The second quarter was pretty boring, Pez. I think I fell asleep. Uh, and uh, the yeah. third and fourth quarter was really where the game came alive. So thoughts about this one? Yeah, uh, Adelaide had their chances. I think that first quarter just won the game for Collingwood, being 24 points up. And Adelaide clawed their way back, clawed their way back, but couldn't couldn't get down that last quarter, kicking two goals, three. Uh, Elliot was a really good uh, inclusion with those six goals. And seven straight at halftime, you're looking at it like, what, what happened the week before? But the biggest takeaway take for me from this game is Collingwood lost the hitouts, which they don't usually do. And no Brody Grundy, no worries. They got a W. Yeah, interesting, uh, especially when you've got a lot of your future tied up in a, a very big salary there, Pez. And I sort of said this on the show last week, I think with no Ruckman, that those midfielders that um, have been really disappointing the last couple of weeks really sort of, you know, try to instill themselves on the game. We saw Scott Pendlebury start um, out, back in the defence for the first half of the game. And when the game did come into sort of, you know, that tug of war, which way it was going to be, they put him back in the middle and they were inject some life into it. So real interesting uh, ploy by Buckley on his second last week of coaching. Yeah, I wonder if you already knew he was uh, going to be away from it or whatever. Um, he probably wanted to play Darcy Moore up forward, but he just thought, you know what, you're not letting me play him up forward anymore, so I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go coach someone else. Maybe uh, Stephen May, he might coach Melbourne in the future. Stephen May put him up forward or something. That's what that's what Buckley's <laughs> known for now. Buckley's known for taking superstars and turning them, <laughs> turning their own skill set against them. I like that, Pez. <laughs> yeah, playing him in the wrong position. But Collingwood end up getting by five. Uh, which was was really good for their supporters, and uh, they sit down in the bottom four there. And 
uh, Robert Harvey is going to take over for the rest of the year and see how he goes and see who's going to coach them next year. Uh, the next game. Now, I thought this was going to be an absolute shellacking. It was the biggest margin of the round, but it didn't look like that uh, in that second half because Richmond did beat Essendon by 39 points, but Essendon actually took the lead by a couple of points uh, during that fourth quarter there. Yeah, Essendon looked um, uh, really good to, to do the same thing that they did last week to the Eagles where they come from behind victory. Uh, Richmond sort of controlled the game for majority of it. They had a lapse of about 10 minutes in the probably the end of the third quarter, start of the, the fourth quarter. Uh, and Essendon, you're right, took their opportunities. They piled on, but it was that typical case, pairs of where they put all the effort just to get in front and then uh, the Tigers said, you know what? No problems, uh, and they piled on seven straight goals in the final quarter to not only secure a really great victory, but their seventh consecutive dream time. And uh, SBS Stadium looked looked the looked the chocolates there, Pez. It was a great spectacular. It was a great night and a big crowd for, for it was a great win for football, really. Yeah, massive win for football, uh, especially having two Victorian based teams over there. But dream time, it was a was a great event, and it was good that it could happen with the crowd. Uh, in, in terms of the actual match. Uh, it was very interesting because Essendon, uh, the superstar there, Darcy Parrish, who's been getting 30-plus disposals every single week, he had a, a 44, which was a club record, and the commentators were going on about that. Was it a club um, record? I, I didn't hear that stat during the game, Pez, was it? I, I didn't hear that. No, nah, well, we didn't hear that when he actually broke it, but we did hear it uh, 300 times before that. Oh, so God. He did that. that he was able to run around by himself. So I think Damien Hardwick, if he thought he was really, really damaging, he would have put someone with him. Uh, and he didn't do that. He was kind of looking at some other players there. But Dustin Martin's game, 27 disposals and three goals. And then uh, one who I thought who should have been in contention as well, only had 21 disposals. But Shea Bolton, his presence up in that forward line and bursting out of the midfield, he had three goals as well. Uh, I thought he was fantastic as well. But Parrish ended up getting the award. Um for his 44 disposals in a losing side, losing by 39 points. So I'm not sure about that. Yeah, interesting because even when the, the award was announced, uh, he looked a little bit confused there. Shea Bolton, I thought, definitely deserved some votes, Pez. Um, being pivotal in that that fourth quarter, kicking two snags early on to really set up that that run home for the Tigers. But uh, you're right, it, uh, Parrish was able to run wild. Um, and that, But that move into the midfield has been really good for Essendon. Some of those young players that are starting to develop are really benefiting from, from this experience experience in these tight contests and I, I don't think that they're obviously going to, to make finals this year Pez but it's a, some really good steps in the right direction for Essendon who you and I both had them uh, finishing bottom four at the start of the year so some really great improvements for, from Essendon. Yeah we're still alive there still alive because they're <laughs> a, a poor club but now very impressive with their young guys they'll be uh, happy with uh, Cox and uh, Ridley Ridley down back Perkins as well who's looking lively up forward um I think it, this was just a case of uh, we don't want to give it to Dusty because Dusty wins everything. So let's look at the stat sheet. 44 disposals, we'll give it to, to this bloke. I don't think they really took into account the the big moments of the game when, when the goals were kicked. I think if Parrish had one or two goals instead of the two behinds, he may have deserved it, but uh, not for mine. Yeah, I mean, the voting was very close. There were six players that polled votes and, uh, you know, Parrish took it out eight to six against Dusty Martin and then Shea Bolton coming in with five. There are a lot of people from Essendon, uh, sorry, from Richmond that sort of stole it away from Dusty and, and, you know, obviously when there's only one player doing anything for one team, it's easy to get votes for that, for that person. So we probably got a lot of twos and threes and uh, everyone else was giving it to Richmond players and they spread the spread the love. But speaking of spreading the love, uh, Pez, West Coast finally uh, learned to win away from 
home and it took some inexperienced uh, lists and some some depleted uh, injuries, I guess, for, for West Coast and a really, really disappointing Carlton to, to win away from uh, SBS Stadium. Jeez, didn't, um, didn't uh, Carlton come in as heavy, heavy favourites in this one? And West Coast just went, no, you, you guys, you're Carlton, what are you doing? Uh, we're going to take this by 22 points. Uh, they had some impressive players up forward. Fly and Ryan, Fly and uh, Ryan. he kicked his, four, kicked his four goals. Jones had two for them. And then they had a couple of shots from everywhere else. But they were kicking goals from the midfields, from the wing. Darling kicked the first goal of the game. And then pretty much didn't go near it after that. He was just a decoy in the end. And uh, Carlton, their their fans would be absolutely bleeding. Big review, massive news around them, being a a terrible club for the last 20 years. Uh, And it probably goes back a bit further than that as well, to be honest. Yeah, we spoke we spoke a lot about the goal kicking early on um, in our in our reviews. Oh, sorry, our preview pairs about how pivotal it was for Carlton to get on top of um, the, the goal scoring early because we know when West Coast go there, they had Flying Ryan, they had Darling up there that could you know definitely get a snag. But uh, a big injury for Harry McKay earlier, you know, with the the head knock for him and Brad Shepherd meant that he spent three of three of the four quarters on the bench um, trying to recover from that, which really really put a spot in for Carlton when he's not kicking goals. They just don't seem to to be able to to generate any any movement in that forward line and be able to generate any um, sort of scoreboard presence? No, I thought early on when uh, De Koning ended up kicking his second, he had always kicked two and Eddie Betts kicked two. That's a really good uh, spread at the moment. But they just couldn't get the job done and they, it looked like they pretty much gave up in the end. So uh, I think one goal in that last quarter to Carlton, they didn't take uh, their opportunities moving inside 50 and West Coast, uh, take the last laugh. They move into the eight as well with seven wins as well as Richmond. And Carlton looking absolutely horrible with only four wins uh, from the 12 rounds this season. So their season is over and they're doing the massive review to see uh, what will happen to them in the coming years. Yeah, it's really disappointing for Carlton fans as well as football, you know, I guess lovers because they have so many promise. they had so many promising young talent. They've got McKay up forward, they've got Walsh and Cripps and, you know, there's a whole lot of players in there that had showed a lot of promise. They, they invested heavily in, in recruiting this year thinking that, you know, that, that were there was their time and realistically time-wise it, it should be their time. Sam Walsh has taken that next step but he, he's about the only person on that list that's taken that next step oh, outside of probably Harry McKay but, um, um, it's really disappointing for Carlton and, and the review can't come quick enough and I'm really surprised out of the two big Melbourne clubs that a coach being stepped down that it was uh, Buckley over um, I guess I guess Carlton's coach because he has been you know at, at the forefront of this and the review hopefully will um, ask the hard questions and we might see a different Carlton for the remainder of the year. Yeah interesting uh, T in charge over there he's had his own clubs before and uh they're in a hole, so they need to give their fans some life in the, the second half of this season. Uh, the final game was uh, between Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. This was uh, kind of a, a tight game, which wasn't really expected at, at the start, and Bulldogs were being pretty inaccurate uh, when going forward, but they ended up blowing them out uh, in the end by 28 points and uh, having a really comfortable win. Yeah, Fremantle really did um, sort of challenge in that second half, Pez, but it was it was all blown away with, you know, some big injuries. Nat Fife had a did his shoulder. Ruckman, um, Sean Darcy did his hammy, as well as Brennan Cox, another hammy, um, especially in the space of like two or three minutes as well. And that really put a big uh, sort of uh, sort of roadblock for Fremantle and, and the doggy sort of cruised on to just a routine sort of second half victory. Um, Liberatore got back to his, his, you know, his best, had six clearances and 20 disposals, um, uh, but had his biggest impact in that third quarter when he put 
push back and, you know, back-to-back goals to really, you know, stop Fremantle from coming. And uh, the Dogs, they bounced back after a disappointing loss last week, um, but they, they, were, they were pretty impressive against the Dockers. That goal from the boundary line from Liver, <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic on the wrong side. And doesn't he love it? Uh, he's probably thinking that goal's worth 50 runs and his second goal's <laughs> worth another 50. So he made another 100 over over there at SBS. Yeah, well, he just has a little habit of it. I was waiting for him to put up the bat for uh, the <laughs> celebration, Pez. That what would he, really put the chocolate on You see what he did, too? Yeah, yeah. After that first goal, he put the uh, the belt. He won the belt in the in the wrestling, and he's just saying, "Here, here's my world championship." Yeah, he's just across all sports. Libra is an absolute star <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Speaking of stars of the game, the Bulldogs midfield got back to, to what they do best and overpossess in the football. McRae had 35 and six inside fifties, which is huge. Caleb Daniels, the best kick in football, had 23. Um, you know, as he spent more time in that middle, and he was able to create a lot more. And that was actually something that was enjoyable to watch for the Bulldogs. Caleb Daniel, when he goes in there, and they don't just, you know handball laterally and when they actually kick the ball he's they're, they're so much better to look they look so much more attacking they look like they're going to score on every occasion and it, it, honestly for me if they could kick the ball a little bit more forward rather than move the ball laterally with their handballs they would look so much better and they would actually you know push themselves into really flag contention not that they're not already but it, i guess you I hope you get what i mean there pez well, I'll highlight a couple of players as well. Uh, source Bailey Dale in defence, coming out of defence is really good. He likes to kick the ball more than handball. So there's one. But the one I'm, I'm a little bit worried about, who started off the season absolutely fantastically, is Bailey Smith. He had uh, 15 disposals and a goal. His his role is kind of that that outside wing player. But they've already got McRae that really does that, and they want the ball in McRae's hands and Daniel's hands and Bailey da- uh, Bailey Dale's hands. So my question to you, Sauce, what's uh, Bailey Smith's role for the end of the season moving into finals? It depends what sort of midfield they're going to run with. You know, we, we saw his best football, as you said there, Pez, coming into that midfield for, for little bits of stints, getting the ball and, and, you know, giving a nice inside 50 sort of look. For me, he needs to... He needs. To, they need to move a game plan that's going to get him involved. The current game plan that they have at the moment, and what's been really successful for them, so I don't know if they will move away from it. It doesn't involve him, and you know, for him being such an elite kick and such, you know, a, a, a very exciting player, fifteen touches is not enough for them when they're winning by you know thirty points. He, he should be averaging 20, 20 disposals a game. You know, you know probably four or five inside fifties with the way that they get the ball to him on that outside wing. But when they're going down the middle, he either needs to get himself involved, or he, he's going to find himself. Uh, with some lower numbers and lacking in confidence coming into finals. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a strange one when you've seen how good he can play in that midfield, but uh, they're working it out there. They're winning at the moment. So I guess he's probably playing his role and doing the things defensively that he needs to do for the coach. And uh, they're going there. They've still got uh, Trelaw to come back and Dunkley uh, later in the year as well. So they've got, uh, they're stacked over there at the Bulldogs, but that'll conclude round 12 and, and we need to get into our betting review. Soft review. There's no official review. How does it end? We don't know. They kind of lost, but they won as well. Welcome to the Bet Review, Pez. Uh, we'll get straight into things with round 12, starting things off with uh, the Friday night top of the table sort of clash that we both uh, were a little bit incorrect on, Pez. Yeah, I got it wrong here. Um, I had Brisbane and I just wanted to get that uh, bonus Bonus back for the three-leg same-game multi. So I had McCluggage to get 20 and Rich to get 20. Sitting there at halftime, as I said in the in the review of round 12, I was pretty happy with myself, but uh, Brisbane didn't end up getting the win and Melbourne uh, took the chocolate. So I'll have that $50 bonus uh, to go in round 13 this week. 
Yeah, very lucky, Pez. For listeners on the last show, um, you hadn't realised that there was no specials yet released when you did your bet slip. So lucky for Sportsbet that they did include you on your alternate market or alternate account that you've been using and you were able to snag a, uh, a bonus bet somehow because they did release that quite late on the, the Friday afternoon. Yeah, the bonus bet will be uh, be handy this week because it'll most likely be a winner, you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> to know about that one, Pez. But as I said, I missed the mark. I had 50 just on uh, Brisbane straight up. Uh, and whilst they did dominate early, they were unable to score a goal in the first two minutes, meaning that it was uh, a loss for me because I obviously didn't win either. So on to your Saints, Pez, taking on the Swans. Um, how did you go in this one? Yeah, I went very well because I didn't have a bet. So um, <laughs> that, uh, that works out really well for me. It does. Uh, I was not. Uh, I didn't go well at all in this one. I had a bonus bet on this one. Uh, Sydney to win by forty. They obviously didn't do that. Papley to get three or more. Was looking forward to his celebrations, but it could only snag the one. And uh, Jordan Dawson, uh, first time this season, he's gone under the twenty. So all three of them were three strikes for me, Pez. So cheeky bonus uh, down the drain. See you later. Uh, 0 two to start. But looking at your bet slip, we're exciting moving in. The next game is Adelaide versus Collingwood. This is a game I spoke about last week that I just did not know what was going to happen and who was going to win. And it was a five-point game in the end. I didn't have a bet. Yeah, and Pez, I said I was pretty confident with uh, the the Magpies. Um, well, actually, more more confident in the Crows not being able to perform. They're, they're starting to really deplete in uh, that, those young legs and being the team that we predicted at the start of the year. I had Collingwood plus 13.5. Um, I was talking about maybe putting uh, it on with the, the head-to-head, but I'll take the 13.5 at $1.90, mate. $47.50 in my pocket. Yeah, you, you like that, definitely. The next game uh, we got here is the Dreamtime game. Uh, and it ended up being a very good game for the both of us. So listen to this. I had uh, the, the max on this. Richmond minus 11 and a half. Heppel to get 20 and Short to get 20. And uh, looking at your live bet, you must like that bet source because you copied most of it. Yeah, we uh, we did have a little bit of a chat before this, Pez, and I really liked Jaden Short at the 20 or more disposals. That was good. He didn't look uh, very good early on in the game, but Dyson Heppel to get 20, uh, he was <laughs> someone that was very interesting watching. So I didn't mind your bet, Pez, and I chucked in Jack Graham there for a little bit of extra value. Should have gone the 20 or more, and I would have been Mickey Mouse there. But uh, a live bet for me with the max, a uh, nice 102.50 profit. Yeah, doubled up there. Dyson Heppel gave us a bit of a scare with oh, two ever. disposals in the first quarter, and then uh, just started to get his get him get on track in that second half. So that was good. Uh, the upset of the round was Carlton versus West Coast. I had my bonus bet on Jack Darling to kick the most goals. I was loving it to kick the first goal. I was like, oh, how's this? He'll only need to kick another two or three, and we'll be right here. Only kicked the one for the game. So uh, Liam Ryan had the most with four, and the bonus bet, like your source, uh, comes back with no win. Yeah, but unlike my other bonus bet, Pez, that I did talk about last week, how confident I was in the West Coast Eagles. You called it an upset, <laughs> but I did uh, did call this one early on, Pez. Um, I should have backed on my own merit and not worried about the uh, the player list because I did talk last week how I put on the bet a little bit earlier, not realising how depleted West Coast are. But I also forgot how shit Carlton are, so that was a great little yeah. bet for me. Probably could have jumped on Wait, a bit later and got some more you, value. You could have got heaps more value yeah. there. You got them at $2.04. Yeah, $2.04. Jeez, Carlton <laughs> were really... They were heavy favourites, heavy, heavy favourites. Yeah. Now, your confidence was up in the next game. Uh, we've got Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs. I had my cheeky here. I had the overs, which uh, was no good. I had Aaron Norton to kick two or more. And the Bulldogs' halftime margin, 25 and 36. And a couple of times in that first half, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get close here. If I lose, it's going to be about 22. But Fremantle just kept coming, and the Bulldogs were just spraying shots left, right, and centre. So the cheeky's no good, no bonus. Uh, and we move on to your live bet. 
Yeah, so I was feeling confident after the Saturday night, and I worked it out, Pez, that um, I was going to break even if uh, if I didn't put a bet down. So I thought, you know what? Let's. There's no point. Uh, high risk, high reward. There's no point uh, going in evens. I want to be up and about or down and uh, sorrow and you know with uh, out for vengeance. So I put down a fifty live bet again, uh, and it was with big success. I had the doggies head to head. Marcus Bontempelli twenty or more. He's been killing it lately. James H to get fifteen or more. I think he ended up with twenty two. And Caleb Daniel, as we spoke in the preview, Pez. 20 or more disposals. That was money for VBs, that one, uh, and that was my live bet. So saluting another $115 to my account. Very, very easy there. And we move on to the multi. And just looking at it now and just realising I'm pretty disappointed because uh, I had Richmond and Bulldogs to win, which was pretty easy. And I had Brisbane as the, the next one uh, at $1.87. So that would have given me 427 there. That would have returned 106. And my if Brisbane had a one, I would have won my other multi, which was 115. So I missed out on $221 for the second half demise by Brisbane. But it's my own fault for choosing them. Yeah, exactly right. It's really tough when you get one of those picks wrong, Pez, because I was the exact same. I it was the only league that I missed. I had Brisbane, Sydney, and uh, the Western Bulldogs, which would have been 86.42 and 102 from the the profit that I was going to get when Brisbane won. So they cost me 190 bucks, which is a little bit disappointing. But uh, I was lucky to enough to escape with a sports bet promotion and a 25 dollar bonus bet, which I've used extremely wisely this week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it's cost the pod, uh, you know, about 400 bucks there uh, yeah, by, by looking at that. So uh, good on you, Brisbane. But <laughs> let's have a look at our ROI for the round and for the season source. Uh, round 12, I staked $135 uh, and I returned $143.75. So return on investment of 6.48%, which... Uh, isn't great, but I just needed a couple of other things to happen, which they didn't. Uh, for the season, I staked $2,275. I've returned $2,621.95. ROI, it took, even though I had a winning round in round 12 source, it took a hit <laughs> because I've been traveling so well. My ROI actually went down with that with that round. So I'm down to 15.25%. Uh, and on Twitter, I've got the little hotel emoji because I'm still in the hotel, but I'm not on fire. Yeah, uh, well, it's, a, it's glad that the media managers got back on track and actually done the right thing this week. They've given me a, a nice little emoji, which I'm happy with. But most of all, they got my bet slip right. So uh, that's that's what the best <laughs> part is. But for last week, I staked to the maximum that we can stake, uh, despite the rounds that we are a little bit cheeky and go over the rules, Pez. I staked 200 for the round, returned $291, an ROI of 45.5%, which was absolute stellar and a testament just to my live bets alone, basically. Um, so for the year, I've stoked, uh, staked 2000 $75 and return $2,190.74 and ROI of 5.57% Pez and I can see that you've given me the, the little island and the umbrella and, uh, so I'm on the beach, I'm, I'm coming ready for that hotel Pez, I'm, I can see the lobby I'm, I'm getting inside I reckon this week Mate, I'm, I'm safe inside in, in the hotel but you, if the weather was anything like in Melbourne last night with the winds and the, and the rain, that would have been absolutely freezing for you out on the beach there under that umbrella yeah, the umbrella would have definitely, I think, blown away. Uh, just like all my um, all my fans are going to be blown away this week by my bet slip. The fact that the size of the bets was relatively small. Our bets with an opportunity about 50 metres out. I was with a mate and um, we were getting, getting sort of ready to leave and he, he said, um, I think I'm going to whack 10 on, on Maxi. Do you want, do you want some as well? And I, I said... Oh, we got Finster on the line, do we? 
<laughs> Why should still <laughs> the lion pants? Because you're going to be blown <laughs> away. <laughs> They're the, the specials. The specials. Oh, sorry, Bez. I didn't realise that our Finster was doing the specials this week. Sinu takes a special and goes bang. Now, I haven't heard him there. I haven't heard anything. So I'm guessing I'm going to have to do it again, which is uh, <laughs> pretty disappointing after Finster called me out and wanted to do it. So, uh, stuff you, Finster. Uh, here we go. We've got sports bet. They've got kicker goal in the first two minutes. You win on the Thursday and Friday game. Sports bet aren't slack this week, Source. They've got all matches this round, three plus leg uh, AFL same game, multi up to three refunds per match. And they've also got the head-to-head little special that you got your bonus bet from last week, three plus leg AFL head-to-head multi in all matches this round, uh, $50 bonus bet back. Move over to tab. We've got the AFL same game multi special on the Port Adelaide versus Geelong game. And then the Queen's birthday clash, Melbourne versus Collingwood. Uh, we've also got the uh, same head-to-head special with the three-plus legs. If one loses, you get 50 back on tab as well. Move over to Labs. We've got AFL $2 lines for Thursday and Friday games. So if you like them, move over to Lads and get a little bit more value than the $1.90 or the $1.91. Uh, Neds, we've got Thursday and Friday, a same-game multi, three-plus legs, and a bonus back. You can do that there. Now, points bet this week, Source. Uh, points bet in the Origin last night. They also put one out for 4 bucks for New South Wales to win 1-50 to and Addo Car to get a try. They got so many tries, but uh, Addo Car wasn't one of them. And today, they've got uh, Port Adelaide. To win by one to hundred, and Charlie Dixon to kick a goal at three bucks. So obviously they think uh, they can get a bit of money out of this. They think Geelong might win. I think they've got a four plus leg same game multi, and one leg fails get up to fifty bucks. So stuff you uh, points bet. We'll go to uh, the others for that. And they've got Friday night footy a uh, free throw uh, up to twenty five dollars back for a same game multi. I shouldn't have even mentioned that because uh, that's just ridiculous for a three plus legger. <laughs> that is a little bit ridiculous, Pez, and that uh, winds up the specials, I gather. Yeah, that's that's it for the specials. So uh, we'll take advantage of them this week in our bet slip. That's right, Pez. We will take advantage of those specials, I'm sure, this week. We start things off, Pez, and Thursday night footy is back, which is fantastic for football fans, but a little bit disappointing for punting fans, or especially for us, Pez, because what it means is we're going to be looking at uh, a lot of games this week without actually seeing the lists, and you'll hear us talk a little bit about how important some of those lists are with key injuries and maybe some key uh, people coming back. But we start off with, Pez, uh, an absolute classic, I'm sure it'll be. A top five clash between Port Adelaide and Geelong. Geelong starting favourites in this one, $1.90. Port Adelaide, uh, even despite being the home team, outsiders $1.94. The line for this one has been cancelled, Pez. It definitely is a pick The odds have fluctuated back and forth to this one. Uh, I'm interested to see your thoughts on this game. Yeah, well, really interesting, this one, because we have spoken about Port Adelaide not being able to perform away from home against decent sides, but... They also haven't been able to, f- to perform at home because they got flogged by the Western Bulldogs on their home deck the other, the other day. So they're missing uh, just a couple of players. We've got Fantasia who adds to that list and goes out with an injury. Uh, so that won't help them uh, too much. Their midfield's too, still quite strong, but they just haven't been able to get over the top four sides. And I think Geelong with uh, Jeremy Cameron in that forward line have really showed what type of footy side they are. You look at the ins and the outs for them. So your man Jordan Clark gets omitted again. Along with Zach Guthrie, Maxi Holmes is gone. Quinton Narkel's gone after, you know, a couple of things of brilliance in the last few weeks. And Reese Stanley, all omitted. Just hammer, gone bang. Blitzarbs comes back in, big in. Dangerfield, big in. Mitchie Duncan, big in. And then Mark O'Connor, maybe to go on uh, uh, Boke or Wines, and another big in for the Cats. So with all those ins and uh, the way Port Adelaide have actually been travelling against top sides, I've jumped on Geelong in this one, Source, and... 
I'm surprised you said they're into a dollar ninety because I looked not too long ago and I got them at two bucks. So I've put my bonus fifty on Geelong uh, and a same game multi with Jeremy Cameron to kick a goal. Two dollars ten that got me all up. So my fifty bonus is on that to hopefully get that uh, fifty bucks back this week. Yeah, I love that bet, Pez. I've done the exact same thing, uh, and I must have reckon I got the the odds just about the same time as you did, Pez, because um, I was really surprised to see Geelong as outsiders there. They've generally been pretty successful over in Port Adelaide, and we know that Adelaide, uh, Port Adelaide, all their wins have come against teams outside of the eight. Um, and anytime they've had a, a, played a challenger, they uh, really have been um, disappointed, disappointing, and uh, resulted in a loss. So you know that Port Adelaide will come out and firing, but I've gone Geelong two dollars uh, straight on the nose here. $50 stake on that one. I'm hoping Geelong gets an early goal and that's paid out and I can just enjoy some great football for the rest of it, Pez. Yeah, well, good luck with that. We'll uh, see how we go. We're both on the Cats tonight, so we're, we're not against each other. No, an unusual thing here at uh, <laughs> behind the boundary, Pez. But we get into the next game at SCG. Sydney Swans are loving this pandemic. They're getting all their games uh, at the SCG. So Sydney take on the Hawthorne Hawks. $1.15 for the, the Swans as the favourites. Five fifty for the outsiders in Hawthorne. The line is huge in this one. Minus 31.5, um, which is really surprising after Sydney's disappointing, um, I guess, output last week. The over-under is 155.5, Pez. Yeah, massive, massive line. I, I thought this game, I thought, you know, Sydney Hawthorne, I'll take Sydney at the line, but then looking at the line and being around 30, I thought I'm not going to do that, but I am going to take advantage of sports bets, same game, multi-special. I've got uh, Sydney just head-to-head in there, uh, multied up with Chad Warner to get 15 or more disposals. He's around $1.67 or so, so I think that um, he's able to do that for us. And then Isaac Heaney, anytime goal scorer, he's been loving it up there, and he's uh, that small to medium forward that can take an overhead mark and and use his body. He's a really smart forward when he's down there and not injured. So I'll put him in my bet. So maybe he does uh, hobble off with an injury in the first quarter or something. We'll see what happens there. But that gets me odds of 210. So I don't mind those odds at all. And I've chucked 25 on it uh, with sports bet there. Yeah, like that bet, Pez. Uh, I tend to agree with you. I saw this game and I thought, you know what, I'll jump on Sydney at the line. It'll probably be about 21 and a half, 22 and a half, but 31 and a half is just too big and a little bit unrealistic from, from my view. Um, Hawthorne, generally, whilst they are a lesser team, they, they do still sort of stay competitive, um, competitive throughout the game. They, they make a late run in most games, as we saw in that Gold Coast game, costing me a couple of weeks ago. I've gone with a, a three-leg same-game Volte, uh, taking advantage of sports bet as well. I've gone with Jake Lloyd to get 25. He does that in his sleep. Isaac Heaney to kick two or more. He's been in firing form. And Sydney to win uh, the first quarter by seven and a half points, the quarter time line. They are a fast-starting team pairs, and I think uh, they put the Hawks to bed early in that first quarter, and then they uh, sort of cruise the rest of the game. That gives me odds of 375, and I've whacked uh, 25 on that one, Pez. Yeah, you think uh, Sydney cruising uh, against the poor side, they they very well may, and they're looking good sitting on sixth in the, on the ladder there. The next game is on Saturday, so we've got Freo versus Gold Coast. You said you were very interested in this one. I'm really interested in this one because of the key um, ins and outs that could play in. There's rumours that Matt Rao could come back in, and obviously the, we talked about earlier the you know the depleted Freo for the, towards the end of that game. Unsure about uh, Fife and Tabernar and you know even the big ruckman that they've got there. So it could be uh, you know up for the taking this game. At the moment, the the bookies are thinking the same thing. So Fremantle taking on the Gold Coast at SBS Stadium. Freo are the the outsiders at dollar ninety three, which I'm a little surprised on because. And pick them, you think the home ground would be enough. So maybe they are leaning towards some of those big outs. Gold Coast $1.90. It is a pick em game, as I said. So there's no line. The over under is 158 and a half. 
Yeah, I think the the line will come in on this one. Uh, all the head to head odds, head to head odds anyway in favour of Gold Coast when the teams are announced, uh, depending on what happens there. But I, I do think I, I wanted to go Frio if Tabana was going to play. Yeah, I thought I might pick them, but uh, without knowing the teams, I'll just uh, get, need you to press that button for me. Cheeky. Uh, just a four-legger, $10 on this. Uh, I've gone the overs of 158. Um, free-flowing footy, I think. Luke Ryan in defence to get 20 or more. David Swallow in the middle for Gold Coast to get 20 or more. And I've just put Freo head-to-head in the hopes that they will uh, get that. But I think that'll go out a little bit more. That, that's odds of $6.50. Uh, cheeky 10 on that. Cheeky 10 on that one, Pez. Uh, as I sort of alluded to, I, I don't know what the, the lineups are doing in this one. And two teams that are really stickly at the start of the year were fighting for the eight and now um, have been a little bit disappointing. I can't put any money down on this one without knowing further information with the lineups. Look for a live bet in this one, Pez, because uh, that obviously had some success last week. And I'll be looking to take advantage of that hopefully this week uh, once the lineups are there. Um, but I guess I guess the, the main ins and outs are going to come from Fremantle. So if you do think that it's, if, you know, the, the lineups are going to make a huge impact uh, sorry no, aren't going to make a huge impact I would be jumping on Fremantle uh, a little bit later if you think that is the case now and you think that you know the lineups aren't going to make a big difference and you think Gold Coast win either way jump on it now because uh, it's a it's a picking game for me and I'm sort of leaning towards Gold Coast but uh, as I said I can't make put my money down on this one without seeing a lineup yeah well the lineups will be interesting in the next game as well we've got St Kilda versus Adelaide uh, a big matchup with with these two sides here that's correct, Pez. Uh, and the fans in Cairns will be uh, very excited about this one. Uh, the game are being hosted at Kazali Stadium, of course. St Kilda taking on the Adelaide Crows. $1.84 for your Saints, Pez. The Crows outside is at 2 bucks. The line is minus 1.5 over-under for this game, 166.5. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this game. Uh, surely there's another, not another week where St Kilda can uh, have such poor goal-kicking. Uh, they showed that they can go against a good midfield and actually win in the midfield last week. Brad Crouch was super impressive for mine. Uh, and I think Jack Higgins will, uh, you know, go and kick multiple goals this week. So what I've done is I think the Saints can get over the top of Adelaide. I don't think Adelaide are um, too crash hot of a side after their fast starts of the year. So I've gone a three-leg same-game multi. Uh, Brad Crouch, 25 or more disposals. Jack Higgins to kick a goal and St Kilda head-to-head. Now, I jumped on when St Kilda were actually $1.84, so I think they're even now at $1.90, which uh, isn't good for me, but that gives me $2.87. I've already put it on. I'll put the max 50 on that source, so I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I really like that bet, Piz, because uh, I tend to agree that St Kilda, uh, their midfield's really starting to click. And despite um, some you know inaccuracies in front of goals, they probably should have a couple more wins for them. And that's why I've gone a little bit uh, cheeky in this one, Piz. And I've gone just straight up uh, $25 bonus bet from last week. St Kilda, 40-plus on its own, gets you about 7 bucks, And I think that is absolute value because we know that they're a little bit of uh, flak track bookie, uh, bullies there, Piz. What they did to Hawthorne early in the year, smashing them by 69 points and smashing you know North Melbourne as well as some of those other lesser teams. I think they do that. Uh, but I've also paired it up for your mate, Max King. This would be a perfect uh, opportunity for him to get his goal-kicking boots on there. And him for two or more goals is, is quite great value at about $1.80. I think it was sitting uh, when I jumped on. So, Piers, that gives me odds of 8 bucks altogether. And I've whacked 25 on that one. Look, I don't mind that for Max King to get a couple of goals. That's if he stays in the side source because uh, he is lacking, lacking confidence at the moment. So, see if Brett Ratton uh, backs him in or not. 
uh, and then you might have to redo your bet if he's dropped. No, surely they can't drop him this week. I mean, realistically, he's been – last week's performance was a little bit disappointing, but this is the perfect opportunity against a really bad side to get the to get the confidence up. You know, he's clearly out of confidence. It'd be him and Higgins. Get that forward line moving. This is a perfect way to set up your season. I would be really disappointed to see um, him chopping the axe now uh, <laughs> before a crucial game, realistically, because if you lose this, your season is done and dusted. Yeah, I, I think uh, the last two weeks, um, well, against North Melbourne and then against Sydney, there's a great opportunity for Max King, but you've got to actually kick your forward the ball if uh, he's going to have an impact as well. So they're looking for other options and other avenues inside forward 50 at the moment. So we'll see if they do that. Um, but yeah, we've got both our bets there. We think that St Kilda will win. So um, you get good money on either side, if whoever you think is going to win. So if you think Adelaide's going to win, uh, even money there. So uh, that's really, really good. Really, really good indeed, Pez. Uh, one team that's not very, very good uh, this year but slowly has been improving is North Melbourne. That takes us on to our Sunday games. North Melbourne taking on the GWS Giants, Pez. Um, this one is being played in uh, the, the hometown of North Melbourne, uh, Tasmania, Bloodstone Arena there. So <laughs> this will be a really interesting one for Tassie fans because North Melbourne have been uh, improving. They are at 4 bucks. Great Western Sydney at $1.25, the obvious uh, home, sorry, the obvious favourites. Minus 24 and a half is the line and the over under is 160 61.5. Yeah, interesting to see how they both come off a buy as well, so something that we haven't mentioned yet on this show. But uh, I think uh, after a buy, it'll do North Melbourne good because uh, them practicing kicking and going through the middle at the moment is not very good. So hopefully they put the footies down and did something else uh, in terms of that. Uh, because North Melbourne was so poor the other week against St Kilda and they only lost by 20 points, but um, St Kilda's goal kicking along with a couple of other things really made that happen. I think the line's pretty good here. I'm going to jump on a three-plus league same-game multi just to have a bit of insurance. So I've got uh, Greater Western Sydney minus 24.5 line. I've got them to be the half-time leader and the three-quarter time leader solely um, because if they win but don't win by 25-plus source, then I do get a bonus bet back for that. So... Uh, that's the reason I've done that. Yeah, I, I don't mind that, Pears. I'm a little bit concerned about this game um, in terms of GWS's lineup. We know just before the buy that they were sort of staggering in there with injuries. I'm interested to see if um, Toby Green makes the, the comeback here. Um, but, you know, they're still going to be missing um, Canelio. They're still got, you know, without uh, Jesse Hogan. Braden Pruce is still still out. Harry Perriman's still a couple of weeks away. Um, and we know that uh, Brent Daniels did his uh, hamstring during the week as well. So that's uh, there's a lot of uh, injury cloud around them. Again, I'm going to be waiting for the, the sides on this one, Pears before I do a bet. I guess if, um, I mean, if Toby Green comes in, I think the minus 24.5 is enticing. Um, would need to see what sort of other additions that they make. But for me, I'm going to steer clear for this one for now. Yeah, well, fair enough. And uh, we head into the next game, which is was going to be the Melbourne-Collingwood game source, but it's actually the, the West Coast-Richmond on a Sunday night, if I'm correct. That is correct, Pez. We head over to SBS Stadium. Um, I guess it's a, I guess it's a neutral game. This one after the Tigers having a home game there last week uh, against Essendon, who played there the, the week prior. So COVID obviously giving us uh, teams a lot of different versatility around the grounds. West Coast coming as the outsiders at two twenty five. Richmond with their newfound home ground at dollar sixty five. The line is minus six and a half. The over under is one sixty one and a half. Yeah. So this game <laughs> source, I don't think you can uh, call it until you do see the teams. Richmond. Uh, do get to play at the same stadium again. I think they did travel uh, back to Sydney, so they didn't have to have restrictions last week. And then they'll fly over there the day before this game on the Saturday. Um, but without knowing who comes back for West Coast, they're really impressive over there. But if they have the same lineup as last week, Richmond are a quality outfit and should be able to get over the line there. 
Uh, at the moment, definitely no bet for me because this is this is a game where you do need to have a look at the teams before you place any money down. Yeah, I think so, Pez. Um, I, I mean, I sort of contradict. I'm about to contradict what you said here because uh, it is one of those games where you do need the lineups for. But going off last week's efforts, and if Richmond they looks pretty good up there, they are going to. I would say, you know, put the same sort of uh, team out there. They were doing what Richmond, you know, what we've been waiting for them to do uh, to just switch it into gears. They showed that they've got the extra gear. The way the Bolton's been playing and the way the Dusty Martin's been playing, um, I don't know what West Coast can throw at them to to sort of combat uh, Richmond's talent. So I've gone with um, Richmond head to head here. You know, the one to th- sorry the big li- big win little win market one to th- one to thirty nine at two dollars twenty, and I've put twenty five on that one. I just don't think that uh, West Coast going to have enough people on the park to be able to, to to be able to get a win, but they will keep it sort of close. Um, the line minus six and a half, I'll get, you get an extra thirty cents for for putting in the one to thirty nine pairs. All right, so one to thirty nine. You think it'll be close? You didn't want to add in a couple of legs for. For some insurance, just to straight up. Just to straight up, I think, um, as you said, uh, you, it's hard to do one of those disposal bets uh, later on on the Sunday when you don't know who the, the, the you know the the people are. So in this market, I would probably be looking at the fi- you know the fifteen sort of the twenty market, but you don't know what people are going to come in, and especially with West Coast sides, we know that Cali's probably going to be out. There'll be some inclusions in there that there'll be some real value for for twenties and fifteens, um, and I'd rather wait to see those teams. You know, I'll probably on the personal, I'll put something in the insurance pairs. So uh, for the pod, just the one thirty nine for now. It's the one thirty nine. So yeah, no bet for me. And we move on to the Queen's Birthday Clash, the big freeze, uh, which Neil Donoher has has done for seven years now. It's absolutely fantastic and raising money for an amazing cause. Yeah, it is. And this one, just before we get started, I'm really interested in the decision to not not move the game because obviously that's that's what you want. You want the, the crowd spectacle around such a great cause. But the game's been moved to the SCG as opposed to the MCG, but they're still doing the big freeze actual spectacle at the MCG in the first weekend, uh, that, well, the first Monday back from a, a pretty extensive lockdown. We're not really going to be able to gather around outside to watch it. Really interested why they've done this, Pez. Now, obviously, you've got Neil Danaher who is, is here and he's going to be a part of it, but... Uh, you think that they would have had like a video stream for him and run the game and the, sorry the actual um, the big slide uh, in in um, Sydney? Yeah, well, the, probably the only thing I would be able to think of is a lot of the the sliders source as well as Neil Danaher are located here in Melbourne and on the restrictions coming when we're coming out of restrictions now. If we travel, we have to be out of lockdown for like fourteen days or something like that. So something around those sort of restrictions and not wanting those people from Melbourne to be up there uh, is the only other thing I can think of. But, um, yeah, Neil Danaher and his daughter are doing an absolutely amazing job uh, on all the TV shows this week promoting it and uh, everyone around with the beanies and hopefully it fills the stadium, the SCG, with blue and raise lots and lots of money to try and fight the beast. Yeah, not not only on the radio and the TV pairs, the stuff that they're doing for for the horrible disease that it is um, is absolutely amazing. And make sure you get down to you know you can purchase those beanies online from the the MMD website, or you can purchase them at Coles or any of those uh, sort of supermarkets. Now they're available, so make sure you get down and pick one up. I, I know that you've got one, Pez, and uh, as soon as I have the courage to leave this cold house, I might go and get a <laughs> get a beanie. <laughs> but uh, let's get into the game. Uh, we've got Melbourne versus Collingwood. Dollar uh, twenty favourites for the D's. Uh, Collingwood outsiders in Bucks's last game. At 460. The line is minus 28 and a half. Uh, that has jumped quite significantly in the last 24 hours. Over under 153 and a half pairs. Money's with uh, Bucks in the last game to get that uh, fired coach boost, do you think? Well, it's always it's always a scary thing when the, with the coach and you know it's their last game or their first game or first game is uh, take takeover coach. I, I don't know what's going on here, but 28 and a half is probably too high 
with a coach that is coaching his last game. So they might get up and about for him. But I still think Melbourne are too good to, to win this. So I'm not touching the line, but I am going to have a bet on this game. Uh, Three-leg same-game multi. Melbourne to, to win. My man, Cozzy Pickett, to, to kick a goal. And my man, Cozzy Pickett, to kick two or more goals as well. Uh, that's odds of $2.20 and 25 on that. Yeah, he's electric to watch, Pez, and you would suspect if uh, Melbourne do get the chocolates, he's going to have a, a big part in kicking a couple snags up forward. It does love the uh, the occasion. I'm steering clear in this one, Pez. Um, I do think Melbourne get the win there. I do agree with you. That line, minus 28.5 for a team that is going to go out and show some respect to a coach who, who remember, stepped down. So he's not a coach that's been fired and potentially could have lost the uh, the playing group. A lot of the playing group were a little bit surprised with it. Pendlebury came out and spoke about it today, um, about how you know he'll be he's, he's the only really sort of coach that he hasn't really been through something like this and he doesn't know how to respond you expect Collingwood to sort of uh, probably challenge that line but I'm steering clear for that one well fair enough and it'll be a great spectacle either way no matter the result and uh, Collingwood fans will be able to say goodbye to Bucks uh, for a long time which will be good uh, <laughs> the next is, uh, is the multi-source and uh, I've just realized I did say I, I got a couple of good uh, prices like on Geelong and things like that but I've only got screenshots on my account at the moment, Source, because I haven't had access to the alternate alternate account yet. So all my odds are subject to change, either in my favour or not in my favour. So here's my little uh, multi that I've put together. I've put uh, three pick-your-own-lines. And instead of going the plus, I've gone the minuses. All right, so I've got Sydney minus 13.5. That gets you $1.30 by itself. St Kilda minus 9.5. So to beat Adelaide by 10 or more, that's $2.25 by itself. And GWS minus 5.5, $1.28. So altogether, that gets me $3.74. Put 25 on that and uh, uh, rooting for that to get home this week. Of course we are, Piers. We're all rooting for you to get home. And uh, uh, just remember those uh, lines, sorry, those odds and lines will be subject to change because you did do that uh, before the the switch. So you're probably looking at still the same sort of around value, but that will probably change with the, the live bet. I've gone uh, with sports bets, same game, or well, not same game, the, the same round multi with a head-to-head markets. One leg fails, I get my bonus bet. I've put 25 down on uh, the Cats the Saints, Richmond and Melbourne to all do a number. That gives me odds of $6.92 and I'll stake 25 on that one, Pez. There we go. There's some big odds. Look at, look at you go. Yeah, well, a bit I'm, of confidence from last like, week. Well, like now that I can see the lobby, Pez, I, I, I'm really cold outside. I don't want the winds to take my umbrella away. I want, I want to get inside and enjoy a couple of bevies with you, Pez. So I'm, uh, I'm punting hard this week and it's a big, big, uh, big comeback round for me. Well, if you do make it to the lobby this week, I'll just wave to you from the fifteenth floor, and we'll see. We'll see how <laughs> you go. Fifteenth uh, floor because you're looking to jump off because you're going to have an absolute shocker. Is that <laughs> yeah. right? Is it? <laughs> uh, we will see the bets that will be out on uh, Twitter at Behind the Bound Source. So make sure you follow along there and keep up to date with all our uh, cheeky punts that we're, we're putting on this week. Let's hope that one of us can get a cheeky up and we both have a, a decent round and start building that bank. Yeah, speaking of building bank pairs, I've bet uh, I've banked a couple of points in our coin toss segment. So let's get into that and see if uh, you can uh, finally catch me. It was a toss of the coin. That fight wins the toss. Yes, it's been an unusual uh, year for coin tosses. Well. Source, uh, you you already know the answer for that. I can't catch anything because we had the exact same picks last week. Yep, I know. Uh, so we got four 
we got four out of six last week, Sauce, missing out on the Brisbane and Sydney Lions together. But we'll uh, toss the coin this week and uh, see what we can come up with with the seven games. Yeah, so the first one uh, is Port Adelaide versus Geelong, and at the moment it is a pick'em. So there is no line for this game, Pez. Um, I guess if the line does get released, it will be minus about half. So it's a pick'em for this one. Geelong or Port Adelaide? Yeah, the Cats, we probably know that from our bet slip. Yeah, we do, Pez, both on the Cats for that one. Sydney versus Hawthorne, we spoke about this line, minus 31.5 in favour of the Swans. Oh, big line, but I have to go Sydney because Hawthorne is such a poor footy side at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm going to go the Swans in this one too, but the Hawks will make that really close. Fremantle versus Gold Coast, at the moment it's showing as a pick'em, so there is no line in that one. No, this is super dangerous for me, and uh, losing Darcy and losing a few players, Fremantle, I'm still going to back them at home, so Freo. We are head-to-head in that one, Pez. I'm going the Suns. All right, your Saints versus the Crows at minus one and a half, favouring the Saints. Uh, I've got I've got him in my bet slip for minus nine and a half, so I can't go past that. Yeah, I've that. got, got, got him 40-plus, Pez, so minus one and a half, I would <laughs> hope they cover that one. All right, North Melbourne versus Great Western Sydney, the line favouring the Giants at minus 24 and a half. Yeah, the Giants for mine. Tough one for this one, Pez, but I will stick with the Giants. Uh, Richmond versus West Coast, minus six and a half in favour of the Tigers. Uh, we'll have to go Tigers with not knowing uh, who's going to come back for West Coast. Yeah, much the same, Pez. Interested to hear your thoughts on the Melbourne versus Collingwood line, minus 28 and a half favouring the D's. Uh, D's can probably get that if it's a draw at three-quarter time. They can probably still win that. So for that reason and that reason alone, Melbourne. I'm going to go Collingwood in that one, minus 28 and a half. So we're head-to-head in that one, Pez. Uh, head-to-head in a couple of different ones. You got a, You got another one for me? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, well, that's... Oh, actually, actually I, I, I do have Pez. I thought you were talking about football games. I'm like, Pez, we've just gone through a whole review. There's only, no. there's only six games in, the, in that round. Yes, Pez, I do. Uh, with the, the terrible weather this week, uh, I've got two for you. All right, the first one is a very simple one. Is just, uh, would you prefer a hot summer day or a cold winter's day? Uh, hot summer. Yeah, I agree, mate. I'd rather be sweating balls than trying to cover up. Uh, and the other one, Pez, a real simple one. This week, uh, earlier on in the week, sorry, Melbourne got voted uh, the eighth most livable city in the world. Uh, Adelaide and Perth both beating um, Melbourne. So Adelaide or Perth, Pez? Uh, Perth. Haven't <laughs> been there, but I have been to Adelaide and it's uh, boring as all hell. Yeah, I've much the same, Pez. <laughs> I've been to both cities, actually, both for the football uh, and both saw Geelong victories, but Perth is an absolute uh, – it's a great place to be. So I love that uh, that theory in yours there, Pez. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. The city of churches in Adelaide does, just doesn't do it for me, but uh, no offence to the Adelaide people and the Adelaide <laughs> listeners. Keep listening. Mate, we just lost 50, uh, 50 subscribers. <laughs> Our Adelaide uh, South Australia following is pretty big, so – uh, that's we're, we're lost, for the Crows. We already lost Tasmania. We just had a put it. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Well done, Adelaide. You've got a beautiful city. Uh, <laughs> I'm Pez. Uh, peace out. I'm still sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys.